Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WTLC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And good afternoon and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Tina Cosby. Today is Thursday, November the 30th. Happy birthday, Shay. Uh, It is the last day of the month of November. What a month it has been. Uh, December promises to be even better. I tell you what, December is going to be pretty busy. So hang on and stay with us. But uh, we're going to get everybody through. But anyway, uh, it should be a nice uh, final day of the month of November. Uh, Beautiful day so far. Nice temperatures, sunny, a little rain coming in a little bit later. But as they all say, we'll worry about the rain later when the rain comes. So Anyway, um, on the show today, uh, our sports guy with the Indianapolis Recorder, Danny Bridges, uh, is back with us. Haven't talked to Danny for a while. Um, Thanksgiving and holidays and vacations and time off and things of that nature. But anyway, uh, Danny's going to be back with us, and he will have a ton of developments uh, to share. So we're looking forward to um, catching up with Danny. That's going to be uh, in our second hour. Also in our second hour, tomorrow is World AIDS Day. Um, And one local organization you're quite familiar with, Uh, is going to make it a red carpet event. Um, And it sounds absolutely fabulous, as well um, as being, you know, just just certainly very helpful uh, in the community. Uh, That's also going to be in our second hour. So uh, Danny Bridges and uh, World AIDS Day. Uh, I will say the organization is making it a red carpet event. Oh, yeah. Highbrow, red carpet event. And again, we'll have more on that, uh, plus Danny, uh, both of those in our second hour. Um, a little later this hour, uh, we're going to be speaking with an Indianapolis native. He's uh, he's fr- originally from here. He lives um, in the state of Florida right now. Uh, but he has a, a story to tell um, about growing up in Indianapolis and, and, and things of that nature that go well beyond uh, the borders of the Circle City, if you will. Um, it's The book is out. It's, it's been published. Um, and uh, we're going to hear uh, more from him about the book, hear more about the book. I, I will tell you, I read the book. Uh, and wow, um, that's that's what I can say is, is wow. Um, so anyway, uh, he's going to be with us, and that's going to be coming up um, at the bottom of this hour. Right now, 317-239-1310, 317-239-1310. Uh, the lines are open for whatever um, you may want to catch up on. Um, I will tell you, we talked about this a little bit earlier. We have been working really hard on our um, Inspire You, our virtual um you know, our virtual uh, help, self-help uh, and inspiring uh, 
event that we do once a year, every year. I, I love Inspire You. And I every year that we do it, um, you know, when we facilitate the videos um, that go on, um, you know, on the website uh, for the presentation, you just learn so much. You, you just really learn so much. And um, was able to do uh, one today, got another one tomorrow, and then uh, the full presentation is going to be ready um, for the web uh, pretty soon. I think it's December. The, let me let me get the exact date. I don't want to get the wrong date. Uh, but uh, again, like I was saying, once it's up and ready to go, we will let you know. But we have been working really, really hard uh, on Inspire You, and uh, we know that it's uh, it's quite popular uh, because a lot of people uh, go to our website and uh, take advantage of what's available with Inspire You. Um, a couple of updates. Uh, today is what, Thursday? So day after tomorrow, Saturday, December the 2nd, um, want to make sure that we invite everyone out to join us this Saturday uh, for the Eskenazi Health uh, Insurance Fair, the Eskenazi Health uh, Insurance Fair. Now, open enrollment for health care coverage through the a federal marketplace uh, runs from now until Monday, January 15th. So open enrollment, it's open marketplace and a whole lot of other things. Um, open Medicare, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, and anyway, to help the community prepare for open enrollment, uh, Eskenazi Health is going to host the insurance fair uh, from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. From 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It is free. Uh, it is open to the public. And what I like about uh, what I love about this particular event and other events like that, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced the frustration of trying to get through to talk to a human being uh, with anything, uh, be it a, a cable. Uh, you know, I, I just had a situation last week. I was just ready to pull my hair out because I couldn't get to anybody. They kept circling back that you had to go through their AI and you had to go through their computer and you had to go through uh, going. To, they, they forced you to go to the web and try to resolve it that way. And then if you didn't resolve it, then they would let you speak with a human. Well, this um, uh, this particular event is all humans. You know, there's no, uh, you know, call here, go over there, not call, but there's no go to this website. Uh, please let us know after there's no artificial intelligence. This is real uh, human beings. And they're going to be there to help you and to assist you. Uh, their Eskenazi Health Financial Eligibility Services are going to be available uh, to help with all things marketplace and Medicaid uh, as well, uh, including eligibility. Uh, if you're in a redetermination uh, phase, uh, they're going to help you with that. Again, it starts at 10 and concludes at 2 p.m. We're going to be there. Uh, it's going to be held at the Eskenazi Health Downtown Main Campus um, at 720 Eskenazi Avenue. Parking is free in the public parking garage right there at the Eskenazi Hospital. Uh, you can access um, the event also if you come via the bus or public transportation. Um, if you go to uh, the Indigo Route 10, if you use Indigo Route 10, uh, you can come in through the 10th Street. Anyway, number of services available, counseling, redeterminations, and more. Flu and COVID-19 vaccines are also going to be available uh, as well as fun activities for the entire family. 
family, free drinks and snacks, things for the kids. Again, um, yours truly and uh, some of my colleagues from Radio One, we're all going to be on site uh, providing music, um, conducting interviews and maybe even doing some prize um, uh, prize distribution. So. Uh, that is coming up uh, this Saturday starting at 10 a.m. And I'll remind you again before uh, we have to go. Right now, lines are open for whatever you may want to talk about. 317-239-1310. 317-239-1310. Paula, how are you? Tina, I'm doing fantastic. How are you today? <laughs> well, I guess I'll have to say fantastic. I tell you what, there, there's <laughs> never been a better. Today is just a gorgeous day, especially after all of what we've been, you know, the weather. Just the winter weather kind of hit us real hard, real real soon. Yeah. So. so you're going to go hit some golf balls later then. Paula, you're telling them. Uh, you know what? If I can, I will. If I can, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I it's it's a little bit harder for me to do right after work because it gets so dark. It gets dark so soon. Yeah, yeah. And and the golf courses, you know, they're kind of sunrise sundown uh, courses, uh-huh. so uh, they wouldn't be able. But if I can get out in time and beat the you know the dusk, uh, if you will, beat the darkness. I surely have you been out. No, not yet. I just got out today, but I wanted to call because I heard you talking about Inspire You, and uh-huh. I never have heard that. This is the first time I heard it. Uh-huh. But I called to Inspire You and let you know that you're doing a fantastic job. I really uh-huh. love this show when it comes on, and everyone that comes on that is part of the radio station. You know, information, it has to get out there. Number two, we don't do enough Inspire You and Affirmations. And so I want to encourage you to keep up the good work. Thank you for all you do on Radio One. Well, thank you, Paula. I sure appreciate it. And I I thank the folks here at Radio One because they they make it happen. They they allow me to sit here and make it happen. But, um, yeah, Inspire You, it's our our online inspirational series that we have. Uh, And there's just so much there from self-care to to medical vaccines. I mean, I think I've done vaccines. I did that today. Uh, We did... uh, uh, tomorrow we're going to be doing uh, things that you can do to improve on your your health right now. Um, I think Monday. I'm trying to remember what we did Monday, but they, they're all it's all there and it's all online uh, for everybody to see and take care of in the com and and enjoy in the comfort of your own home and things of that it's nature. On the, so. It's on the web on your uh-huh, on the website, right? yeah, on, oh, okay. on all of our websites across our, uh, especially AM and FM, WTLC AM and FM. But Paula, you know what? When you talk, you know you make me get that itch to get out. You know when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to. Well, I, I just so have to get out about, there. Huh? About health, you mentioned about health, and when I turned sixty-five, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna have to start eating better, cut mm-hmm. back on some of this starch and stuff." And mm-hmm. you know, I'm almost right now. I'm almost at my high school weight, just doing that and eating half the size of the plate. So that's my tip for today for people that you know want to do better as far as health and all. Hit. hit Eat half of what's on the plate. Don't well, let, let me ask you. Food. Let me. Can I ask yeah. you real quick? I know you got to go, but uh, how was that for you when you did that? Like when you committed to say, "Okay, I'm going to eat half." Was that a difficult uh, transition? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, COVID really helped me a lot. COVID, COVID? Three years more, being oh. inside of the house. See, I people ate more. Uh-huh. I quit eating fried chicken and French fries and fried fish during COVID and started eating healthier. Wow. I didn't I didn't go home and, and eat that fast food and all that stuff. I started taking care of my health better. Wow. I take I take no medicine. I'm on no medicine. None? At 70. At 70. 
That's beautiful. That is, and you yeah. feel good. You feel good. I feel fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's important. I. You know what? Gas, I. It's gas. Gas is two ninety seven at ninety six and Keystone. Ninety sixth and Keystone, two ninety six. Now usually it's the opposite. It's usually cheaper the further south you go, like down around Harding and four sixty five. But you yeah, say two ninety seven. This is the get go, so you got to have that thirty cents off. Okay, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love. It. All right, Paula. Hey, thank you very day. much. You have bye a good bye. one too. Bye bye. Uh, 317-239-1310, 317-239-1310. Got a few minutes of open lines before our guests begin to arrive. Got a really good show lined up for you today. Uh, so I think you're going to enjoy hearing from everybody that we, we have uh, that's going to be ready to go. Uh, Denise, go ahead. How are you? Hey, uh, Tina, I just called to echo the caller, the previous caller. We really do appreciate you. Aww. Everything that you do. I think you need to take vacations more, but <laughs> we appreciate you coming to <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what, Denise? Here, here's the thing. Um, the, the last, I, I'm going to take a lo- the longest one of the year. Uh, I'm going to take it the, the probably mid to late December and won't be back until uh, the first week of January because I got some days oh, I have to good. burn. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, you know, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy what I do, but yeah, time off is good. So how are you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I, um, I'm one of those that don't suggest to you and don't adhere to it. I take vacations a lot, and I enjoy <laughs> it. I need it. <laughs> you know. And I also wanted to tell you, yesterday when your friend Larry called the show, uh, Pastor Anderson, I think, let him have some truth that he hasn't gotten in a long time, Tina. And what he said, he was so negative. You know, he always is. Well, no, Larry. Larry didn't call my show yesterday. I, I haven't heard. I haven't heard from Larry. Another, another show. Oh, Larry called another show. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So yes, anyway, he called another show that uh-huh. every Wednesday. Okay. But the funny thing about it is that you know he's always negative, but this man, the pastor, Reverend Anderson, uh-huh. let him in on some truth, and he said, and let me quote him: Larry's always we're saying something negative about we're not qualified. We're qualified just like everybody else. <laughs> but I think Larry has an issue with African American female strong women. I think he has a real serious issue. Reverend he did not allow him to continue in negativity mm-hmm. about us. Yeah. It was Great, Tina. Yeah. I wish you could have heard it. I hope they taped it and uh, see it over again when they're on vacation. They may have. They may have. But Larry sometimes goes off the rails uh, more more times than not. But I've heard others that have uh, put him back on the rails or, you know, say, okay, okay, Larry, there you go. That's yes, that's, yes, that's, that's kind of how he is. That's kind of how he yes. is. But, but, but uh, anyway, back to you. We uh, appreciate you. We adore oh you. We love you. And we do pray for you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. much oh, you're, you're far too kind. But thank you so much, Denise. Thank I you. appreciate it. And by the way, Denise, I am going to, you know, commit to more vacations, I think, in time. It's just been difficult. It's just difficult sometimes to get away. But uh, sometimes even a day or two is nice. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much. I appreciate it. Uh, Anonymous, go ahead. How are you? Yes, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. You are a very wonderful person. Oh. And I thank you for the broadcast. 
Oh my goodness, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> the reason why I called is because uh, I was very concerned about the transit center. Oh, what's going uh, on? What's going on? That You know, after 6 o'clock, you can't go inside of the building and sit in there and get warm. Oh. And uh, sometimes, well, last year they had you just sit in a little corner when it was too cold. They let you sit on the outer side just to get a little heat. Mm-hmm. But before COVID started, uh, they would let you go in there and sit down and wait on your bus. Hmm. And so I said, well, I'm going to call and ask about this because uh, last year, my I mean, this year, my grandson was hit by a hit and run driver. Oh, no, I'm and he sorry. Was, and he was on the critical list at Methodist Hospital. And I had to go up there every day to see him. And now he's doing be- much better. Oh, thank but goodness. Th- yes. Yeah. But the thing is, sometimes I would leave the hospital at night. Right. And then, you know, when we get up there to the transit center, some of the uh, transit workers, they were very nice. They let you sit in this little, uh, like, outward side be- before you go inside of the the transit center. There's uh-huh. a little, like, a little lobby there. You can sit right there in. It's not very big. And so we would sit in there. But the thing is, what my concern is, is that I was really hoping that this winter that they would open up the door and let us come in there and sit and get warm because I'm going to tell you, there be a lot of senior citizens out there at night catching the bus. Mm-hmm. Some of them be on wheelchairs. Some of them be on canes. Absolutely. Be, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah it'd it, it be, it be cold. And it'd be cold. And it'd wow. be, it be, it be really cold. And I said, well, I'm going to call uh well, I will def. I tell you what I'll do. Um, Carrie uh, Black uh, with Indigo, uh, she comes on at least once a month uh, or what have you. But I will certainly uh, get in touch with her and find out what's going on with that. Has, now, let me ask you this. Has it always been a situation where you could, I mean, during the winter that the main uh, the main area, the main lobby was open during the winter? Well, Miss Cosby, this is what it is. See, it, it was they would usually let you just come in there and sit down. But they say now if the weather is really dropped down to like zero or minus two or something like that, they still don't let you come in there and sit down. They let you just sit in this little space area. And then it'd be like about maybe 10 or 15 or 20 people in that little space area yeah. waiting on the bus. But there's know. still the protection from the elements is still very much needed down there. You need to stay a place where you can be warm and have mm-hmm. some protection from. OK. And okay. then sometimes it's cosy what they mm-hmm. do. They let you sit on the bus, you know, and get warm on the bus mm-hmm. before the bus takes off. Mm-hmm. But what really got me, Miss Cosby, is the thing is that. We used to be able to go in there and just sit down and wait for our bus because the last bus stopped running at 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I said, well, I'm going to call Miss Cosby and tell her. Mm-hmm. I said, because my grandson was on the critical list and I had to go every single day till he got off. Mm. How's he doing now? Oh, he's doing much better. He got hit by a car up there on the uh, 45th in Shadeland, oh uh, February 23rd of this year. Oh, my goodness. And now they he's in Danville, Indiana, in a rehab center. He's only 23 years old. Oh. His, name is, his name is Emmanuel. And 
We'll so I was going back and forth up, up here, you know, to see him at Methodist, and it'd be so cold at night, Miss Cosby, mm-hmm. and it'd be other senior citizens. We have to sit on that bench and stuff, and for some reason, they just wouldn't let us come in there and sit down. Yeah. Now they do leave it open to like around six o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think people can go in there to like now to around six o'clock. Mm-hmm. But see, the last bus runs, Miss Cosby. Admit, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you know. Okay. So, All right. Well, I will certainly get on this with Carrie and at least get an explanation to find out if this is a temporary thing or is this, you know, because we, we certainly need to find out what the policy is, especially with. And they don't have to really worry about the people with the COVID because just like you said, they give them the free COVID shot mm-hmm. and some people come in there wearing their mask. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be a problem for us senior citizens to be able to sit in there, mm-hmm. you know, till our bus. Um, Absolutely. I will certainly inquire and get back with, uh, you know, let everybody know what I find out. Well, thank you, Ms. Cosby. All right. Thank you, ma'am. All right. You be careful out there. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, C, go ahead. You have questions regarding uh, new fields? How are you? Yes. Hi. Hi to everybody listening. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this just happened uh, that at that uh, new field, mm-hmm. they uh, have, have released uh, uh, Dr. Colette Pierce-Burnett. From that position there. Well, they didn't release her. She resigned. Well, she resigned, and I was wondering who was following up behind that to find out exactly what happened. Well, you know, the thing of it is, and that's a good because I was just, in fact, I was just reading about 10, 15 minutes ago uh, this article from the Star, and this is a little bit of a, you know, kind of a surprise, but, you know, there was a, the, she resigned, and then there was, you know, the uproar, there was the, uh, Robert uh, Chicago wrote a really nice uh, article in the Recorder. Um, you know, a lot of people have been asking questions. There was a protest over at Newfields uh, last weekend, I do believe. But here, this article in the Star uh, that hit today says the abrupt CEO exit surprised Newfield staff and arts leaders who now are reevaluating their funding. Um, and it says almost three weeks after the sudden departure of Newfield CEO, community members and even staff continue to question what happened and how to move forward. Uh, they're expressing shock that Colette Pierce Burnett would serve just 15 months in the role, especially since they say the Indianapolis newcomer was quickly building new and needed relationships. Um, they're expressing frustration with the lack of an explanation around her November 10th departure, uh, uncertainty about Newfield's board of trustees and leadership given the tumult, tumultuous uh, happening. Anyway, uh, that re- after the, after the remember the controversial 2020 job post that called uh, to maintain its traditional core white audience, white art audience. Um, and so that's that's how she was ushered in. But uh, she has not given a statement. Uh, Newfield's uh, trustees released a statement, but my understanding is it didn't answer any questions about her exit uh, or anything. So we're all still kind of in a holding pattern, but she's not even talking. So, I mean, was the resignation forced? Was it coerced? Uh, was, there, was there a... Uh, I mean, we don't know. I guess we just have to keep asking and keep trying to dig down and find out what's happening. But it's certainly not a good look uh, for Newfields, especially after that traditional core white art audience uh, job posting uh, debacle that that they had and um, uh, and, and everything else since. It's just not good. Oh, well, thank you uh, for letting me know, because I just wondered, was somebody following up on that? Oh, yeah, it's it's been followed up on quite a bit, but it's just, uh, you know, with, you know, any kind of, 
insight into why it seems to be hitting a brick wall. Uh, there has been a statement released by Newfields, but it does not address why uh, she exited. And she has not been responding to inquiries as well up to this point. It's not to say that right. she won't, but um, yeah, so there it is. Yeah. All right. See, thank already. Thank you. Joseph Wynn, how are you? How I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Nice to hear your voice, and congratulations on the outstanding job that you were doing. Oh, well, thank you. How, how are you enjoying retirement, Joe? Well, it's semi-retirement because I'm still on the, the parks board, and I'm still actively involved in some national organizations. I knew you wouldn't sit down. <laughs> that grind of going in every day, you know, yeah. I, I really appreciate not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I just wanted to call and and and. and and number one, um, like I said, congratulate you. But um, at the end of this year, uh, we are losing two champions for the park system, and both of them have been in leadership roles on the council. Um, Councilman um, um, Monroe Gray uh-huh, uh-huh. retiring, and then obviously Councilman Duke Oliver yes. who is stepping down. And both of them were chairmen of the park committee. Mm-hmm. And and they championed the system um, through so many critical issues from golf courses to swimming pools. So I wanted to give a shout out just to them to say thank you for mm-hmm. what they have done. And you know, you just missed uh, Duke Oliver. He was on the show yesterday. He was with us yesterday because we were talking. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yesterday we were talking about the groundbreaking uh-huh. of the Riverside Park uh, Adventure Center that's that's going up. Uh, that's due to be open by the end of next year. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's, you know, very much involved, still involved with the uh, Indy Parks and City Parks. But, um, yeah, uh, just missed him. But, I, you know what, we're going to be talking to him again before. Uh, I want to talk to him and Counselor Gray before, um, you know, before the end of the year to thank them on the air as well. Yeah, yeah. And I just um, want to encourage um, the community to please take advantage uh, of the park system. I mean, the new $25 million facility is going into Douglas Park. And like you said, the groundbreaking at the Riverside mm-hmm. um, um, Adventure Park. And so I just wanted to call in and one and congratulate you, but publicly you. let Duke and Monroe know that um, the time I was there, I had total support and in, in trying to uh, make this park system a great system. And that's all I want to do, call in well, you- and say congratulations and thank those two. Well, thank you for all you did because you were absolutely a wonderful leader for Indy Parks. And, and uh, you know, there's certainly better as a result of you having been there. There's no doubt about that, Joe. Okay. Thank you very much. Alrighty, thank you. All righty. Thank you. Uh, Anonymous, go ahead. How are you? Hello, Tina. Thanks for your service. We enjoy listening to you every day. I try to well, listen you. to you every day. You're very kind. Thank you. How can That's I help why you? I'm, I'm calling because uh, to ask you, could you try getting someone in from AT&T mm. AT&T? Our mobile, our mobile home phones. They keep going up on their bill each month. I know. Plus, they they have went up now to eleven ninety nine per month to have just to have the long distance calls. Mm. Now, long, wait a minute, I mean, wait a minute. Long distance. If you make any calls, you got to pay for those calls too. So wait a minute. You're talking about AT and T Mobile. Is that what you're the, talking about? Your house phone. Yes, your house phone. Home phone. Oh, they still charge for long distance. Yeah, they charge to put their service for you to just to have the call. It's eleven ninety nine now. They started this month. 
Plus, if you make calls, you got to pay how much it will, how many minutes you uh, talk. You got to pay for those minutes also. So you talk That's ridiculous. Are you talking about a landline? The landline, yes. Okay, a landline. And you're saying that they're charging you eleven ninety nine a month for long-distance services? For long-distance services. So it's not eleven ninety nine because it's like eleven ninety nine a month for long distance in addition to what you pay for the landline. Well, it's the same thing. It's yes, in addition to what you pay for the landline. Plus, you have to pay so much per minute, however many minutes you talk on your phone. Uh uh for using the land uh to use the long distance call, you gotta pay for that also. Mm. Uh Boy, it's been a while since I've, you know, I, I, you know, we can see what we can do. The problem is, just like I was saying a few minutes ago, uh, to get to a human being to talk and, and have somebody to, it's it's almost impossible to do that because uh-huh. they keep sending you to all of these recordings and these websites and, and what have you. So it's just really, really difficult. But I will do yeah. my best. I'll try to find out. So what you're saying is the 1199 uh, on top of what you pay each month for the landline has become excessive. Yes, you you have to pay that. Okay. Plus, so you know all the rest of it, your bill. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you do you uh, use you know, a... so if I say so if I call someone long distance, I, if I use ten minutes, I got to pay so much per minute on top of that eleven ninety nine. Is there any way you can change that plan? That doesn't sound like a very good plan. <laughs> well, they tell they tell you that that's the best plan you have, and they are trying to what they are trying to do is to get you to combine it. When you call and say, "Well, my bill is too much," why is it so much? Then they want you to get the cable with them. Mm-hmm. They yeah. want you to go to package deal. Yeah, they want you to well, bundle. You maybe not want to go to package deal. Yeah, you don't want to bundle. They they want you to bundle. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. 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 Do you need the landline? Well, I did kind of like in just in case, you know, yeah. if my my uh, case, uh, in case my cell phone is not working or something. Yeah. And I have family out of town and all, you know. Okay, I got you. Okay, well, let yeah. me see what I can find out. Um, call us back tomorrow during open lines, okay? And uh, okay. we'll see what we can find out for you. All righty. Okay. Thank you. All righty, thank you. And we'll be back with more Community Connection right after this. Back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we are back with Community Connection. Tina Cosby here. Um, It has often been said that falling down is part of life, getting back up is part of living. Our first guest is a man from right here in the city of Indianapolis who not only knows it well, he's written a recently released book about it called So What? Keep Going, A Story of Resilience. Uh, his name is Robert Lowe. He goes by Rob. Uh, Rob, welcome to Community Connection. Thank you for being with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. So, um, uh, I, I, boy, <laughs> I read the book, <laughs> I read the book and wow, there's a, a, a whole lot in there. So I, I guess, um, you, you're, you're now a resident of the state of Florida, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
well, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into uh, the book and and things of that nature. You are originally from Indianapolis, so you know the city well. I'm originally from Indianapolis, born and raised. Actually, grew up in Irvington. Went to Howe. Went to Indiana State, mm-hmm. and um, you know, moved away about twenty now, uh, like twenty eight, twenty nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived lived throughout the U.S. and uh, came back for a small stint and, and did some roles and. By by profession, I'm an HR executive, and and then just personally, I just spent the last five ten years of my life really practicing uh, more philanthropy work. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say. They're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you and really just trying to make a difference in the lives of other people. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you are um, a motivational speaker, a podcaster, uh, an author, uh, well-established uh, a corporate Ameri- member of corporate America. I mean, you, you, you've done it all. So the, the question becomes, why did you write the book? You know, that's it's a really good question. So um, it's it's a 19-year labor of love. So I started the process back in 2004. Mm-hmm. And and I've worked with several people over the years because for me to write the book, it was very, very hard. It was emotional. Every time I would tell the story, I would have to relive it. Mm. But I, I started the journey in 2004, uh, something that no one knows. It's not even in the book. The original title of the book was called too angry, too black, too cocky. That's what they told me. Mm. Because that that's how I felt. All that childhood anger, all the setbacks that I had up to that point, um, I was really just trying to get it out of me and tell people what I had been through. Eventually it evolved over time and, and with evolution to saying, no, it's not about telling people what I've been through. It's about me healing in the process, sharing my story, but also encouraging people that no matter how your life starts out, no matter what happens during life, you have a, an opportunity to keep going. Hmm. Is it an opportunity or, or an op- how do you how do you look at that when when you say you have an opportunity to keep going? Is is it an opportunity or an obligation in in your eyes? You know, I think it's both. I, I do think it's both. I think I think um, if if you wake up in the morning, that's an opportunity. But once you get up, you have an obligation. And, and so it's easy for, for us as, as human beings, as individuals, to take our life's most traumatic experience and let that keep us in that place where we can't mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I told myself it wasn't just about me. It was about I had two daughters. I have a wife. I have two sisters. I have nieces. I had people who were depending on me. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't stay there. And I couldn't stay there for myself. Mm. How long did it take you to write the book, to pull it all together? You say you, start, you, know, like you started I, in two—well, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I, so I started in 2004. I started and stopped several times. Mm, okay. And then in 2022, you know, I have a good friend, 
uh, here named Dana Offutt, who who I talked to her about it. We started doing the audio tapes again, and then I found a, a young lady who's a writer in Tallahassee, uh, Florida, named Asia Masonette. Um, mm-hmm. Wonderful young lady, talented writer, and I and I and I found her, and I said, "Look, I'm trying to finish this book. I have 150 pages of manuscripts. I have 16 audio files." But it's not coming together. And, and here's what she told me. She says, we're going to finish this book for you. Hmm. And this young lady is so magnificent, Tina. Mm-hmm. She quit her job because a writer is what she really wanted to be. Wow. wow. And she said, we're, we're going to spend the next two months and we're going to go tell this story. And so she took everything that I had before. We worked every day. We had interview sessions. And uh, we cranked it out in, in about two and a half months. But that, but that was given the fact that we had a lot of stuff already that I had generated over the years. Yeah. Had had you not written the book, where do you think you would be emotionally and and and, and else elsewhere otherwise? Because how, how, it seems like this has been coming and coming. Because you know you've heard the old saying, uh, everybody's got a book in them, right? Yeah. And it seems like you stayed with it because there was uh, an absolute necessity to do this, right? You, you know, for me, there, there's about 20, 20, 30 stories are not in the book that are just as impactful as the ones that are in the book. Mm-hmm. But for me writing this book was about um, I, I needed to leave something for my daughters. I didn't write the book to be a bestseller. Mm-hmm. I really wrote it to, so my daughters would know that no matter what happened, my, my dad went through that. And I told my wife in the process of writing the book, I gave her the number to the to the young lady who's helping me. I gave the number to the to the publisher. I gave her the number to um, Dana Office, so uh, Danola uh, Barton, who's yeah, the Burton, publisher. yeah, Danola, yeah, Danola Burton's the yeah. publisher. And so I had this this cast of all black females who helped me build this project. Mm-hmm. And I gave her all of those numbers, and I said, if something happens to me before I finish this book. Make sure you guys get it done. Like, that's how much it meant to me. Mm. My success as an HR executive was great, made money, but there was this thing in me like, like, that's the thing I need to finish in life. That's my crown moment is to tell that story because there was some kid, black, white, male or female, who started out from some of the most traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. and they're wondering, can I get through this? Will my life ever turn around? Mm-hmm. And that's who I wrote it for. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say, other than your daughters, who do you most hope reads this, picks this up and reads it? You know, if I had to describe three audiences, I, I, I asked this question before I was asked. I said, um, it, it's definitely kids who come from very traumatic backgrounds, whether it's abuse or who lost a parent as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's 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 adults who've, who's had hardships and gone through things, and they're trying to figure it out. And then really this other piece is, for black men and black women who are in corporate America trying to find their way and navigate, how do you how do you work through all these obstacles and still be successful while maintaining your identity and helping those who come behind you? Yeah, and you suffered uh, quite. I mean, a, a, a heartbreaking loss at an early age with the loss of your mother, uh, unthinkable um, abuse, and and um, I you know I don't want to give away too much because you know we certainly want you know people to to read the book. So and 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 things of that nature. Um, did you always see yourself just uh, like you say in the in the title, keep going? Did you always see that, or were there several times along the way? Well, I know there was one because it was in the book, but where you're like, I'm not going to keep going. 
Yeah, and I, I apologize. People are doing construction where I'm at, so I apologize. For- oh no, I don't hear. I, you're, you're you're fine. You sound fine. Yeah, yeah no, I, um, I I didn't always see. As I said, the original title of the book was called mm-hmm. "Too Angry, Too Black, Too Cocky." That's mm-hmm. what they told me. Mm-hmm. And so I literally started out as I'm just mad, and I'm gonna tell everybody what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting everyone on notice. I see. But at that point. It, that wasn't to help people. It was more to tell my story. In time, it evolved and said, like, I got to tell the story because mm-hmm. I, I got to go help someone else who, who's going through something and they mm-hmm. need something to give them hope. Yeah. So when you're, um, when you're, one of the, when, during your HR executive uh, career, uh, also in the book, um, you ran across, uh, again, a couple of unthinkable situations with what I'll call, what you called in the book, Karen's. Uh, yeah. Tell us, I mean, how did you, how, how did you navigate that and, and come out on the positive side of that particular experience? Because that, in a lot of ways, at least one story in particular, would have been enough to make some folks run for the hills and say to heck with it. You know, one of those stories that you that you read it and you're talking about, mm-hmm. the, the pain from that one story hurt more than the, the combination of the death of several people in the oh my oh my that one story did more damage to me emotionally Mm. than the death of the other people that you read about Mm -hmm. and 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 what i told myself is what's the lesson learned but how do i go make sure other people don't make this mistake or Mm -hmm. fall victim to it Mm -hmm. and the reason i got in hr like this is not in the book either i got in hr because as a kid with everything that i saw growing up i said i either want to be a civil rights attorney a politician or an activist, but I knew I wanted to go in corporate America. I said, so what job would allow me to be the gatekeeper of fairness for people, particularly people of color? Mm-hmm. And I chose a career in human resources. Mm-hmm. So what, what made you, you know, in ter- was, was college always on, on the, on the radar? Because the, well, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask that. Yeah, like I said, I've read the book. There's so many questions here. But uh, college and how I, I, you, you say as a youngster, you, there was always something there uh, within your, you know, I, I guess your your performance at school and things of that nature. Did you always see yourself uh, just just rising um, ever so, you know, ever so successfully in whatever world you, you were going to choose? You know, I, I just dreamed. I, I, I When I went to college as an undergrad, the first time I went, I didn't go because I had aspirations to be great. Mm-hmm. I actually went because I, I wanted something different than what I was waking up to, right? I, I, wanted, I wanted other things. And, and, and not that my situation was so bad at home, but I wanted to experience something different, something new. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think maybe my junior year in college, the light bulb went off and said, this is your ticket. If you, if you can get through this, there's not much you can't do. You're, you may have to work harder than someone else, mm-hmm. but you're, you're not dumb. You're that smart kid that, that tested out when you were younger and, and when these high aptitude classes. I just lost sight of that because that was about my insecurity, not about my capability. Mm, yeah. Boy, we can all get lost there, can't we? 
Absolutely. I, I'm here to take. So when you're, you know, the you, you've taken everything that you've been through. And again, uh, the name of the book is So What? Keep Going, A Story of Resilience. And it's by Rob L. Lowe. Uh, Rob is an Indianapolis uh, native. Uh, he is an author, um, an HR executive, a very well-established HR executive, motivational speaker, podcaster. Uh, and as we said, an Indianapolis native. And there's a whole lot more uh, to that because... Um, it, you know, right here in the book, you just list a few board of trustees for Indiana State University, a board member for the Goodwill of Central Florida, a board member for the Mustard Seed of Central Florida, uh, past uh, board member for Employers Association Forum, past chair, uh, board member for South Florida Manufacturing Association, past, and board member for the United Way of DeSoto County, um, past. And again, that's just a handful. Uh, did you ever, did anyone ever say you're an overachiever? Did anyone ever accuse you of that? Because how you can, uh, th these are just amazing. The, everything that you have done and are doing and continuing to do in your life, a lot of people couldn't do that in five lifetimes. So how, how do you account for everything that you're able to accomplish? One is it's the idea of waking up every day knowing I wanted more. And realizing at an early age, I was mm -hmm. dealt an unfair hand, mm -hmm. and that the only way I was going to change is I was going to have to work on me and put in some work. Mm -hmm. And then there were people along the way, uh, like Miss Charlene Bowles, who I talk about in mm -hmm. the story, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike and Tim, who who gave me a job at twelve. There were people along the way who grabbed me mm -hmm. by the hand, and they saw what I didn't see. Mm -hmm. They saw it, mm -hmm. and 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 as I wrote this book, you know. I hadn't talked to Tim in 40 years. Oh, wow. 40. Matter of fact, I hadn't talked to him in 39 years. I tracked him down. Mm. I tracked him down, and he's in uh, Ohio outside of Cincinnati, and I talked to his daughter-in-law, and I said, tell him I'm writing the book. And he got on the phone, and to be able to share that story with him, he said it put tears in his eyes. Oh, wow. And I said, I just called to tell you thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. What do you think was the key uh, for you uh, being able to make it out, so to speak, and, and become successful and others who were left behind? What do you think the key was for you? Um, you, you know, it, 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 it's a gift and a curse. I think for me, unfortunately, I would say not having parents Unfortunately, it created a sense yeah. of detachment from you. You, you, your, your, uh, your father was AWOL. Uh, well, I mean, he was around, but not, not entirely. I mean, he left the family. Your mother died at a very, I think, what seven? You were seven when your mother passed I was away, seven. and yeah. um, you were raised by your your grandparents. Uh, you yeah. and your your siblings were raised by your grandparents, so you felt disconnected. But anyway, yeah, and. And then, you know, there's extended family and there's, uh, you know, kids that you hung out with in the neighborhood and things of that nature. But you, you made it. You made it. Well, Tina, one, I appreciate it. Like, I, I never imagined as a kid or even as a young adult that my book would generate emotions for people and take people on a roller coaster. And people would be mm -hmm. like, man, I, not only am I proud of you, but I, I can do it. Wow. And, and I say that the key is, is. Just knowing there was more out there, um, I, I always believe this. You know, we talk about it in the book. What my older sister had a learning disability. Mm -hmm. I, I worked hard because I I wanted to change her outcome. Mm -hmm. Like what she didn't have, I realized God gave me a gift early, and I didn't want to waste it. Mm -hmm. 
What have you What have you passed along to your children? Do you see any of yourself in in your children? They're they're both adults now, right? Young adults. Yeah, they're both yeah, grown. So you see any of yourself in your children at all? Oh, absolutely. You oh, know, really? good and bad. So okay, bad. okay, good okay. and bad. My my oldest daughter is at grad school, University of Alabama, mm-hmm. and she is my mini me. But she also gets my worry and my stress, and you know, we take the world on and we try to solve everyone's problems. Um, and, and, but she, she also is the, the person that sees the big picture. My second daughter is at grad school at the university of Syracuse and she has my compassion. Like she, she, she says like, I want to help people and give people the benefit of the doubt. My oldest, my oldest person says, I want to help you, but if you don't want to help, I'm gone. I'm, I'm moving on. Okay, so okay. They, they, they both have this drive to be successful and, and literally they, they literally both have this care for the world. Mm-hmm. If if I didn't give them anything else, if God allowed me to pass that through them, that they realize that to whom much is given, much is required. My daughter has that tattooed on her. That was the saying I told them, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. And so I hope they live the rest of their life with that in mind. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So um, now that you've gotten it out and on paper and, and published and things of that nature, how do you feel? Do you feel any differently you know, it it, it it comes with highs and lows, if I'm being honest, right? There, there's people that when I wrote the book, you know, people like, I, I hate that he wrote that and he shouldn't have said that. And, you know, I wonder, is that true? And, you know, but when I wrote the book, I wrote the book very intentional to, to not tear people down. If, if I had a good experience, I used their names. If I had a bad experience, I didn't use their names because like, the book was never meant to hurt anyone. And so to hear that there's some people that, that may not have a positive experience with the book because of what they know in the, in the stories, that hurts. But when I hear the, the people that are blessed by it, then I know that, okay, God, you gave me that journey 19 years ago for a reason. That's been burning in me. I had to write it. Was it intentional to be as direct and straightforward as it is? Because it, it, it pulls no punches. I'm, I'm going to say it pulls no punches. It's very uh, straightforward, very direct. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, once in a while you sit back in your chair reading. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, but so, so was that was that part of the strategy as well? Yeah, the original version was much softer. But okay. Like, but that's not me. That That's not me. Like, I... I I'm I'm not afraid to walk in the room and deal with the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And the original version was all these harsh stories. And I said, but that my whole life wasn't harsh. So I got to tell some funny things. I got to tell things that paint the picture that I'm human. Like I, I didn't want to write a memoir from the HR executive. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, cause it's easy to do that. And like, he's so intelligent, he's insightful, but I, I needed to take the readers that I'm, I'm also Junie. Mm-hmm. Like I'm this guy who has all these experiences and you'll see the evolution in the book as I go. Yeah, I see you included a picture of your father uh, in the book, and you, yeah. you know, express very clear feelings and emotions. Uh, you do you feel as if you've come full circle with that? It's 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 crazy. Um, you know, when 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 he passed away in 2010, and they called and asked me to help pay for the memorial service. Mm-hmm. Originally, I didn't want to, but I knew. The Bible says, honor thy mother and thy father, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we didn't have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 19 years of trying to finish this book, it, it took for me to come back to Indianapolis for two years to finish it. I left here thinking I would never, ever come back other to visit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I realized I had to come back here in order to finish the story. So how do you feel about that? I, I, I said before, how do you feel about Indianapolis now? Well, I'll, I'll ask you that. But uh, before, when I was saying uh, it's a story about, you know, kind of a coming of age in the city of Indianapolis, in Indianapolis. Uh, but it's it's more it goes beyond the boundaries of uh, Marion County in Indianapolis. It's universal in so many ways. Yeah. The story is a very universal one. Um so how how do you feel now? I I know that you you said in the book, uh, I never want to go. You know, you said it more times than one uh, that ever Indianapolis had such uh, such pain for you uh, and and things of that nature. What are what are your thoughts and feelings about the the city now? So what, I guess as as life has shown me, it wasn't Indianapolis that brought me pain. It was the individuals and the experience. Ah, yeah. So before yeah. I put everybody in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. But I've had some experiences in the last five years that people that will be lifelong, mm-hmm. you know, friends or, or acquaintances for me that have poured into me that allow me to be here with you. And so there's pain, but at least I have some joy. At least you have some joy. So What Keep Going, A Story of Resilience by Rob L. Lowe uh, is uh, available uh, in stores now on Amazon, of course, uh, and um, in other uh, outlets. Um, so what's are you, are you on the book tour now? I, believe it or not, I'm glad you asked that question. I'm mm-hmm. doing my first book signing. Uh, I have two while I'm here. So I'm, I'm the keynote speaker tomorrow at the Men in Black 2 Gala, sponsored by... Uh, she she event Indy and uh, Katina Williams, and then Sunday at Havito's Lounge downtown from twelve to three doing brunch. I'm doing a formal book signing. Congratulations! This is fantastic. So, uh, wow. Uh, so yeah. So what? Keep going. A story of resilience by Rob Ello. I, I have to ask you, um, what's uh, is there a follow up to this? Is there another book in the works? <laughs> you <know laughs> you know always have to ask. So. All right, so listen, there's there's two books. I'm 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 I'll give you one. I can't give you the other. If I see you in person, I'll tell you the other. Okay. Um, you know, people said I should write the other 23, 30 stories. I was like, no, I, people got enough of that. But I think the next story is 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 called the price of being black and outspoken in your career, uh-huh. because I I got to give a voice to people. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Who don't have a voice. You know, in your, your career, your HR, and I, I guess we could keep talking. I don't want to hold you too long. Yeah. But, but the, the, I just found a, a stark irony about the amount of dysfunction uh, in the world of HR, when HR is supposed to bring uh, functionality to the workplace and the 
dysfunction that you experienced and and dealt with within the HR realm, I just found so fascinating. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what a, even there, even in HR, uh, there's this. So I mean that that's that's another story and another conversation too. But I, I I was just I was just blown away by that because you just would not expect that in the world of HR. They're human beings, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're human beings, and and whatever humans will do in one function or one part of life, they'll do it in HR too. Rob, thank you so much, and congratulations on the book, and very good, very good. You're absolutely correct. Human beings, indeed. Uh, keep up the good work, and thank you for helping everyone uh, as, as you go along the way. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, and bless you and your audience. Same to you. Take care. All right. All right. Okay. And we'll be back with more Community Connection right after this. WTOC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And we're back with Community Connection again. A very good conversation with former Indianapolis uh, native uh, and now a motivational speaker. He, he's, he does it all. Uh, Rob Lowe and... Uh, um, wow, he's got his book, and it is called, again, So What? Keep Going, A Story of Resilience, and it's available on uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and some other places online. So uh, great conversation, and good luck to him uh, in his career. Uh, right now, uh, tomorrow, December 1st, uh, is World AIDS Day. It's a time that is set aside every year uh, when people around the world uh, raise awareness about HIV and AIDS uh, while honoring those um, and the lives of those uh, who are affected and have been impacted uh, by the virus. World AIDS Day helps educate everyone about the prevention, treatment, transmission, and more of HIV and AIDS. The Indianapolis Urban League has celebrated World AIDS Day for more than 20 years and will continue the observance tomorrow with a red carpet style all-star event and award ceremony again tomorrow night at Martin University. Here now to tell us more are George Wooden. He's the Indianapolis Urban League Support Specialist for Special Population Support Program. And George, we're going to start with you uh, while the rest of the gang gets in here. Uh, How are you? I'm great. How are you today, Tina? I'm doing well, doing well. So this uh, this event tomorrow sounds like woo-la-la, <laughs> all-star red carpet, paparazzi, celebrities, and awards. It sounds fantastic. We plan on having a great time, and it will be fantastic. Everyone is invited to a free event. Free? Yes. Absolutely free. Okay, okay. We're going to recognize uh, people who have worked in this field sometimes for years and a newcomer even, Mm -hmm. uh, who are kind of taking names and doing the job. You know what I'm saying? When it comes down to it, um, lots of hard work trying to end the HIV epidemic. Yeah. And some of the people who are actually being awarded have been in the field for years. Yeah. Uh, But we also want to, like I said, kind of kind of uplift our newer our newcomers as well so we have one of those every year mm-hmm. um cocktails mocktails past our nerves we're going to have a documentary tomorrow uh called bad blood a cautionary tale mm-hmm. 
Wow. So, I mean, what what uh, you, what what made you decide to do it up uh, so big this year? I mean, yeah, this is a well, it's, it's gotten bigger every year. <laughs> yes, it has. Um, we actually had it here at the Urban League last year. We had it was kind of we kind of outgrew the, <laughs> the facility. Uh-huh. So um, we ended up having it at uh, the Gatorium. It's going to be a great time. We'll have plenty of room. There'll be artwork from local artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, lots of information. People really think they know stuff and kind of operate out of misinformation or old information sometimes. And we want people to know the updated information about yeah, that, in our community. You know, it changes. It it really does change in any, you know, any for in especially the stigmas. We want to get rid of those for sure. Uh, but there's just so much valuable good information that that comes out each and every day. Uh, but we have we have with us now, um, George. We have with us Michael Butler. Uh, Michael, hi. How are you? You're the Ryan White Health Coordinator at the Marion County Public Health Department. How are you doing? Uh, good afternoon. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good. Good to have you with us. Welcome to the show. And uh, back with us on the show is Tony Gillespie. He's the vice president of public policy and engagement at the Indiana Minority Health Coalition, but also a 2023 Indianapolis Urban League Legacy Award recipient. You are going to be honored tomorrow, Tony, during this red carpet all-star celebration. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tina. Good to hear your voice. It's good to hear yours as well. So, uh, so Tony, uh, you know, George said that that this is um, in part and uh, you know a recognition for those who have been out there uh, laboring uh, over the years, and and you know, you and Michael certainly have have done just that. Uh, how has the and I'll I'll start with Michael. In in your estimation, how has the landscape changed? I'll just say, uh, maybe even within the last ten years or so. Well, to be honest, the landscape really hasn't changed that much. Our minority populations continue to be disproportionately impacted by HIV, um, and we're we're with women. We're seeing the numbers remain pretty much constant. Um, so all of this is telling us that, that these individuals are not hearing the messages or are not taking them to heart and not looking out for ways to prevent acquiring HIV or how to prevent transmitting it to their partners. Yeah, yeah. And so, Tony, um, in terms of, of medical breakthroughs, if you will, and treatment uh, breakthroughs, that has improved over the last 10 years, has it not? Oh, absolutely. That's improved tremendously. Um, there actually are now um, medications available to for a person living with HIV to so that they remain undetectable, and at that point they can't transmit um, medications that you really only have to take once a month now. Um, before it was multiple pills daily, and then after some years they moved to one pill a day, um, and so now it's it's a one shot per month. Um, so great medical advances. Mm-hmm. And Michael was absolutely correct in that the landscape, not a whole lot of changes just in terms of the infection rates. And um, I think, uh, and either Michael or, or George can correct me, I think the United States will still see in the area of 40,000 new cases a, a year. I think there, there are efforts being made to reduce that, but um, it's been pretty pretty stagnant. I, I think from a community perspective, some of the changes have been is 
I think they're putting more of the power at the local community level just in terms of engaging stakeholders and having conversations about what will work and what won't work. Um, when I came into uh, the HIV, um, I guess, circle, I'll call it, mm-hmm. um, I came in part of a, a federally mandated HIV community planning group that um, the health department or entities that receive federal dollars had to convene this um, community planning group comprised of stakeholders. So it was community members, people affected, people living with HIV, health department staff, and we worked um, not always harmoniously, but um, <laughs> we well, worked. Um, yeah. we, we worked constantly um, at addressing HIV and, and how to uh, enhance it, how to get more people tested and those who are positive to get them in treatment and prevention and secondary prevention to ensure that if you're HIV negative, you remain that way. Um, it's not an easy disease to catch. It's not airborne. Um, there are very specific things that have to take place. So the education has always been if you're, if you're negative, how do you stay negative? If you're positive, how do we get you in treatment and care so we reduce the instances where you can transmit. And and in terms of education, where are we there? Um, it's still very much needed, and I think as Michael pointed out, there are still some messages not a, that are not reaching the attended, intended audiences, and, um, you know, we can never educate enough. We can never communicate what the stigma is and what the pitfalls are, and we can never communicate or over-communicate. We can never talk about prevention enough. Um, and, you know, HIV is the one disease that has been around 100 years, and it's still, if you say it to someone, you know, they may recall a relative or a friend that passed away over the years. Um, they may... Uh, say, oh, at once I was, I thought I had HIV, but I was tested. It was false positive. There are a lot of narratives, but HIV is the one chronic health condition that's been around forever, and more and more people have someone in their family or their close circle that has been impacted or affected by it. So when you say 100 years, Tony, that's that's news to a lot of people listening. Because oh, it's not. It's not really a hundred years. I'm just old, and I say. Oh, okay. You say a hundred years. Um, I was gonna say hundred years. I, well, I didn't know. Uh, you know, because sometimes yeah, right, there are things right. that 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 are around that are dormant, uh, and until they're activated, I guess, so to speak. But, right. but yeah, it, it's been a couple of like. I mean, yeah, generations. It's been a, what forty years. Over, over forty years. Over forty oh, years. Yeah. Right. So four decades. Forty years. Over 40 years, so... Um, you know, when, when I started this work, I still had hair. So this this has been... This that, that's why they're honoring you, Tony. <laughs> that, that's why they're giving you the big award. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm, I'm so so honored to, to be part of this. The Urban League has done tremendous work uh, at the community level in addressing HIV-AIDS. They, their work with... Um, Individuals who have a record, they um, their expungement program, they do great community work. Um, I remember when Mike Epps was here, was that last year? And it was the Urban League building that you had to go through for your COVID screening and to be tested. The Urban League means many things to many people, and I'm just I'm honored to be part of this effort. Yeah, yeah. So, so Michael, what would you like to see? Um, as a result of, of the World AIDS Day this year and going forward, what what would you like to see take place? 
in that beautiful, perfect world, I would like to see everyone get tested at least once in their lifetime, if not annually. Talk to your personal physician about HIV and about getting tested, or go to one of the uh, one of the publicly funded uh, testing sites and get an HIV test. That way, you know your status. Mm-hmm. And if you're living with HIV, get on medication. Stay on medication because you can reduce your viral load. You can live a long, healthy life and die of old age when you're 99 years old. You can prevent transmitting the virus to your partners. And um, you, you can just be a healthier, better informed person. Are there any situations, Michael, where uh, testing for HIV is is automatic or, or mandatory or what have you, other than the blood centers? Uh, Tina, I, I am just a little rusty on this, but I believe for pregnant women, they, they oh, still, yeah. um, have them opt out of HIV testing. They do what now? Me- meaning that HIV testing is one of a, a series of tests that they'll do with a pregnant woman, but she can say, no, I don't want an HIV test. Otherwise, mm. it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's uh, about the only situation that I'm aware of. Other than the blood centers? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because I, I just thought, I, I don't know. I, I, but, the, yeah, for pregnant women, um, anyone else? Rules so, have changed over the years. I'm sorry? The rules have changed over the years because I know that uh, I, uh, the, the correctional facilities, some of them have, they used right. to have it mandatory on the way in. I heard just recently that they have changed that. It, it, you know, they change, change like the wind sometimes. Um, so, yes, that uh, is, is great when, but nobody can make you take a test. Is correct. It was one of the, the big part of this conversation. You have to want to take that test. You have to so, sign off to take that test. Sometimes. So not even in the correctional facilities anymore? They that I was just out at IYC the other day, and I was told that they don't make them anymore. DLC, IDLC does not make them anymore. Wow. So that, that, that was new to me, and I go every month. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, pretty much the standard is informed consent, meaning that you're educated about what HIV is and why you're taking the test, and you have to give signed written consent to take the test. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What about stigma? How are we there? Uh, because, uh, you know, the, and the Ryan White, of course, uh, at some point created, uh, you know, he was a symbol of the hysteria and the stigma um, associated with HIV AIDS. So where are we from the days of Ryan White as far as the stigma? Has it been reduced at all? We've definitely seen some reduction since the days of Ryan White, but there is still a fair amount of stigma out there in the community and in some pockets of the community. There there are some um, populations here that won't say HIV, and if they know someone who has HIV, they won't talk about that. And that's really doing a disservice to everyone within that population because they don't get the chance to learn what HIV is and how it's transmitted and how to prevent transmitting it. They don't get to learn about PrEP the pre-exposure prophylaxis, one pill you can take a day to help prevent acquiring HIV. They don't learn about those ways to protect themselves and their loved ones. So we still have a a fair amount of stigma Mm -hmm. out there. Um, As I said, it's decreased since the days of Ryan White, but Mm -hmm. there's still enough that we're just not talking about it openly like we talk about diabetes, high blood pressure, 
and, and so, cancer, and that's where we need to be with HIV. So, Prep, uh, explain again. I think I may have heard about this vaguely, but there's a pill that certain people can take to prevent getting HIV? Yes, PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis. Okay. Prophylaxis is it's a pill taken once a day, and it the pill anyone could take the pill, mm-hmm. provided they don't have you know an allergy to it or something. Uh-huh. And it would prevent them from acquiring HIV. Uh, you go and you have to regularly see a doctor to make sure that you haven't acquired HIV and to make sure that you're not having any adverse effects from the pill. But um, that is one surefire way to um, stop transmission of HIV. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that it, 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 that should be being shouted from the rooftops as well, would you think? Yes, it yes it should be, and we're we're trying to get it shouted there. It's just a little difficult because in some cases there are difficulties in getting the pill paid for. Um, oh, okay. There's there there's, so there's a for, yeah. There, there's an expense to it. But, okay. but there's actually several different programs now. Oh, there are. Now he has in Damien Center. There's programs where you can get on that medication if that's something you need. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at no cost to you. So we right. do need to be shouting about a, about PrEP and, you know, letting our women know, letting our, our youth know, letting anyone who is sexually active uh, or, um, you yeah, let them know that PrEP is available and is an option to help pre- mm-hmm. prevent them from acquiring HIV. What about the demographic uh, that is most likely uh, uh, impacted or affected? That has changed, has it not? Well, again, here in Marion County, um, our highest impacted demographic are African-American males. Uh, Where we've seen the change is that it's now our younger African-American males, younger than age 34, and actually between that... um, that 24, 19 to 24 age group that are, are at highest risk for acquiring HIV. Um, then followed by um, our Hispanic uh, friends here in Marion County. Uh, women um, are still at high risk for acquiring HIV, even though their, their individual numbers are a little bit lower than we're seeing with the males. It's, it's still these minority groups that are at highest risk for acquiring HIV. Where where are we as far as Marion County? I mean, at, at one point in time, uh, Tony, you were on, um, and we were talking about the fact that we were rapidly approaching near epidemic levels here uh, in in within Marion County. Has has that subsided? Um, actually, the the numbers have definitely improved. Okay. Here in Marion County and across the state, you remember Indiana over, over the years we've had a number of um, very unique instances that occurred in Indiana. If you remember um, southern Indiana, Scott County, and the HIV epidemic mm-hmm. um, that came out of that area and how it you know, put IMHC on a, a national platform to um, figure out how, how that happened, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how as a state we got there, how a, right. you know, that county got there, and then how do we fix it. Um, you know, I think a lot of... Um, a lot of learning um, was borrowed from that and uh, applied around the state. Um, 
but just just from a consumer perspective and um, working with Michael and the State Department of Health and um, Marion County um, has an incredible team in terms of Dr. Kane and her mm-hmm. national yeah. platform and just being proactive on a number of things um, that for me, that's the big distinction coming from the northern part of the state, um, Gary specifically, with a much smaller health health department mm-hmm. um, responsible for a huge service area. Marion County is a strong health department, strong leadership, and has responded appropriately. From a statewide perspective, there's still, I think, so many things left to be done. Um, to my knowledge, there's never been an aggressive campaign to educate black women around HIV. Um, transmission, how to stay negative, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of curiosity and looky loo about down low and mm-hmm. how people are having sex. Let's talk about how we prevent this disease that still still very real, still prevalent. People are still becoming impacted. Um, and while treatment is more readily available, it still is a disease that has no cure. So there's still a lot of work for us to do, I think, in terms of um, those messages about how to Mm-hmm. Be safe and stay safe. Yeah, indeed. Um, we, can't, we can't leave out the, the mm-hmm. message about not sharing needles. There's there's a lot. There's a whole list of things that make it yeah. so important for us to know the educational part has to be there. Yeah, it abs- absolutely. Uh, and the poli- you know the, the politics of it, uh, especially with the needle sharing program, that got pretty ugly uh, for a while uh, during a period. Um, and it shouldn't have been. And I, I really hate when politics uh, gets in the middle of health care uh, and health care decisions, just like with HIV AIDS and the, and the needle sharing program, just like with COVID-19 and the mask. I mean, it just it's, it's so frustrating and disappointing. Uh, and we need to figure out ways to get past that. But you're right. The education, the educational piece is, is so crucial, so very crucial. And I think over the years, um, regardless of where you come from in the state, Mm -hmm. regardless of what racial and ethnic group or LGBT group Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. gay, whatever, um, the thing that has been at the forefront, I think, of anybody who's worked in HIV, any sort of service provider, is the education. And that cannot be, that that can't be... um, it can't be diminished. We, yeah. we 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 have to we have to remain active there. And over the years, HIV has become, you know, a part of like George made the references, substance abuse, um, the needle sharing. HIV is mainstream, and we still often struggle with where and how yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, uh, that struggle is is real. Not to, uh, and and I, I don't say that jokingly. But um, Michael, as, as the Ryan White Health Coordinator for the Marion County Public Health Department, ha- do you ever have uh, on, on on occasion to to meet or or work with Jeannie White, Ryan's mother? I have not really had an opportunity to work with her. I met her once many years ago uh-huh. uh, in a position I had at the state health department, but uh-huh. I've not met her or seen her in. Uh, the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, well, she when we talk about education, she was so, and, and still is, very, very much committed uh, to the education. That's, that's one of the things. She's devoted her life to that since uh, the passing of her son. Even when he was alive, she devoted uh, so much of her life to, to the educational component of all of this. And uh, I think to this day, she still does. I think she still yeah. does. I just... Um, 
I mean, she's in town quite a bit, and of course, the Children's Museum of Indianapolis uh, has that that wonderful uh, exhibit, the Ryan White um, area. And I know Jeannie um, usually comes to town and comes around through here uh, around this time. So, didn't know if you'd ever had the opportunity to meet her. That's all. Yeah, but I I had met her before. She's she's very nice, very committed, and. Uh, and, and delivering very good messages out there. It's that, nice to have those messages come from a female. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe females will listen to her, mm-hmm. um, as well as mothers. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just. And, and back to what Tony was saying, it's so important that yeah. that we're hearing those messages from mm-hmm. different people, and that we're hearing good, accurate information, and not yeah. by some of the inaccurate information that's out there. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So again, tomorrow night, uh, World AIDS Day. So what, do you have anything planned for the entire day, or is everything just going to be taking place tomorrow evening with the red carpet event? No, there's a full day. There's a full, okay, okay. <laughs> well, would you like to share that with our listeners who may not be able to make it to the uh, to the red carpet event tomorrow night? Actually, the event is, I believe, the Damien Center is having a community chat uh-huh. Uh, Salesforce in the morning. Uh, that's going to be like from 8 till 10.30 or something like that. Um, here at the Urban League, we have a Latino breakfast. That's kind of an invite-only thing. Um, there is actually Marion County Health Department uh, is going to do a health fair tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at, uh, what's the address, Michael? It's at 1650 North College Avenue from 11 to 4. Mm-hmm. Um, George, if I may, at the AIDS Memorial, which is on the grounds yes. of Crown Hill Cemetery, oh, yes, there's yes. going to be a, a rose ceremony that starts at 8 a.m. in the morning and goes, I think, until about 6 p.m. Yeah, that's going to be all day, yeah. And then our program starts at 6. We'll be running around all day tomorrow <laughs> from 6 to 9 at the gatorium there at Martin University. Yeah. So, again, it's free. Come and get an education. There is still a, we can't leave out the educational part of it. I stress it so much because that's part of what I do also. I educate people who are at high risk for HIV and other and STIs. Um, and when it comes down to it, when the person is educated, you can't just stop there because the next person needs to be educated as well. So I try to train the trainer, so to speak, and talk to people in the community who will talk to others. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. People and family members have been invited to family reunions to come talk to families about what's going on and what's happening right now. Mm. So when the science changes, we learn more, we try to educate more. When you're when you're out there educating, is there a, a theme, a common theme, or a common question, or a common concern that you you guarantee that you're going to get every time you go out, or does it vary according to who you talk to? Uh, every time I go out to the uh, Indiana Correctional Facility out in Plainfield, they call it IYC, I get the same questions about Hep C. Can you give it to yourself? I mean, because it's actually just a lack of education. I can't say it, I can't stress it enough. 
uh, you can't give yourself something that you don't have. So, you know. That, Can you give it to that, yourself? That's a question for real? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And, and it's, it's actually pointed towards them reusing needles. You can damage yourself, but you can't give yourself something. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So um, so a full day, I, I guess folks can just go online and find out more. But certainly uh, the Urban League's uh, event tomorrow evening, capping it off. I mean, hey, once you've done everything else, go over to uh, Martin University at the uh, Father Boniface Hardin Gathertorium, 2186 North Sherman Drive right here uh, in Indianapolis. And one of the evening honorees will be our very own uh, Tony Gillespie, who is with us right now. And Tony, of course, again, is the uh, Vice President of Public Policy and Engagement for the Indiana Minority Health Coalition. Tony, congratulations. Um, again, well-deserved, well-deserved honor. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And again, thank you to the Urban League. Um, um, not all of our um, <laughs> Urban Leagues and NAACPs and other organizations, like-minded organizations around the state, Still, after 40-plus years, not everybody is comfortable talking about HIV-AIDS. Not everybody is um, comfortable and, and open to the idea of publicly uh, addressing this. But um, I, I envy George because the education piece, when I, I did do the community education, never dull moment. So <laughs> okay. it's really great to be able to hear what the challenges are and what the stories are and what people are, are the questions still being asked. and. Not a whole lot of that has changed. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad you all are here, uh, and I'm glad you all are still out there working on behalf of all of us. So thank you for all you do, uh, and uh, enjoy yourselves tomorrow evening, uh, because uh, back to work the next day, I'm sure. <laughs> back to right. work the next day. Tina, thank you for all that you do. Thank you no, for being thank a voice you. in the community, bringing information. Thank you. Ms. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all so very much. George, Michael, Tony, have a wonderful evening. We'll talk right. with you soon. Well. All right, okay. thank you. And we'll be back with more Community Connection. We're going to uh, switch gears and move on to sports with our sports guy from the Indianapolis Recorder, Danny Bridges, who always has something to say. We'll be right back. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we are back with Community Connection and uh, back, back, back with us after a you know, nice little break here. Uh, Danny Bridges with the Indianapolis Recorder. How are you, Danny? Ha 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 How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, Again, as I've said to you many times in this format, at my age, I'm just glad when I wake up in the morning, so it's a pretty good day. <laughs> hey, Danny, very rarely do we catch the news cycle where news is breaking right as we're about to start doing sports. And yeah. this info is less than 20 minutes old, right? Well, it's probably a couple hours old, probably not very long, though, it's been released to the general public. I was going to say, it just hit my, uh, my I started getting yeah. push alerts about 20 minutes ago. I'm sure everybody knew. But uh, IU has a new head coach. They do. That would be Kurt Signetti. Signetti, yes. Yeah. He was at James Madison, where he's done well. He mm. won the conference there at 11-1 and in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh He's got a pretty good record at that college in his tenure, 19-4 and four in his first two years in the FBS. 
Guys paid his dues as an assistant at Temple, Pittsburgh, North Carolina State, and the key one, University of Alabama. So, uh, Nick Saban, Nick Saban. He he was he was with Saban for a long time, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I believe four or five years, if I'm not mistaken. No, oh, I thought it was longer than that. Yeah. But the point is, he's got some pedigree, but this situation that he's coming into is a debacle. He knows that. His agent knows that. I haven't heard anything released financially. I would say if I was him, I would want at least $3 million a year minimum, five-year term. And, oh, by the way, I want housing. What does that mean? Well, if I buy the house and you fire me, you, you buy the house off of me. Or if I rent the house, you pay my rent. I think I'd, I would rent a house if I was him. But the point is he's going to get a good package. It'll take a good package to lure him in or lure any candidate in. But uh, I hope they've learned their lessons as far as buyouts, which I wrote about in a separate column today. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we were going to talk about that uh, that column. But um, I his, his win-loss record is good. I mean, it's, it's far well, superior. It's about yeah. who you play and what the level of competition is. James Madison Sunbelt Conference, that's not Big Ten. Now, the point, I'm, I guess, that I would like to illustrate here is that a, let's give this man an opportunity. B, is he uh, a football savant? We sure hope so. But what it boils down to is is the talent level. Uh, right now they're scrambling. They're going to try to keep anybody who's committed to Tom Allen to come in and play for this gentleman. He may be able to get some guys from James Madison to transfer. And yeah, through the They're going to scour the transfer portal. Yeah. We'll know more about IU football in about 30 days yeah. or maybe a little bit less than that in terms of Who's coming to town with him? Who's coming to town because of him? Who's not coming to town because Tom Allen's gone, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, his work is cut out for him. This is a huge opportunity for a guy to jump to the Big Ten Conference, but it's also a huge mess down there. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I, uh, you know, I, I can understand why he'd want to take the position because it is a promotion, is a bump up to a better conference. Mm-hmm. But uh, this may not go well for anybody down there. I just don't think the revolving door is going to stop yet. And uh, wish him nothing but good luck. And we're going to find out what he's made out of in terms of the recruitment, the transfer portal, et cetera. But the bottom line is it's hard to get guys to commit to Indiana University when they would have preferred to went to a bigger Big Ten school. Now, that doesn't mean they're not interested in Indiana from a Big Ten perspective. Of course, some guys are going to say, hey, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, you know, look what look what you missed here. I'm playing in your conference. And I'm playing well, and that happens from time to time. But boy, I sure wouldn't want to be this guy in the next 30 days because he's not going to get much sleep. Yeah. Well, uh, before we move on, uh, let's get Jeff. Uh, your buddy Jeff has a quick question for you. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, how you doing, uh, uh, Tina? Hey. And uh, my good friend there. And uh, hello, Jeff. You know, speaking about Indiana. I remember back in the six when Indiana, you know, they made it to the Rose Bowl. What happened to these guys? Is it they just put more emphasis on basketball than football, or what? And also, I gotta ask you about the Jim Irsay comments about him being picked on because he's a white billionaire, and uh, you know, and Jonathan Taylor with his thumb and his the the number of weeks he's going to be out. So if I can get your perspective on these, those three subjects, I really appreciate because. You're the man to talk to about these things. 
Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I think I heard him talk about IU and Rose Bowl. Is that what he was referring to? We're, we're, are we losing you, Danny? I think it was 1967, yeah. the last time Indiana been to the Rose Bowl. Ever right. since then, it's been pretty much uh, downhill. Right. Even the yeah. Lou Corso era, they, were, they yeah. had a lot of high hopes, but that never really panned out. And they well, just seem to be like a, the punching bag of the Big Ten when it comes to football. Danny, can you move your phone a little closer? I think, we can, I think we're losing you. Are, can you hear me? Uh, you got yeah. Uh, now we can go ahead. Yeah, I, I, it's a basketball yeah. school number one, and football True. will always be second or third fiddle. So uh, that doesn't mean you can't attract some good players. They've had some individual talent over the years, but collectively uh, putting a team together has been very difficult. It's going to continue to be that way, I think personally. And this guy uh, that they've hired, he's got his work cut out for him, but. Again, let's give him an opportunity to see if he can distinguish himself and get the ship on the right course. So right now, if, if they came back next year and won six games, uh, they'd probably be elated. And that's probably not really a uh, realistic goal as much as it is a goal. That makes you bowl eligible for these smaller bowl games. That'd certainly be a right step in the direction that Indiana wants to go to. As far as Jonathan Taylor, that's just an unfortunate circumstance. They say he's only going to miss two to three weeks. I don't know uh, uh, what that really means in terms of, you know, can he wear a protective brace or some sort of a, you know, garb around it. I'll use the term garb because I can't come up with the right word. But will he be able to play like that? I'm not really sure. Neither are they. They're hopeful. Let's hope he does get back. He was starting to kick it into gear a little bit, but – Thank goodness they've got a very capable backup. And uh, the Colts have got their work cut out for them at Tennessee this week. This is a game they really have to win. And it's always been uh, a difficult task for them down there, just as much as it has been for Tennessee coming up here. So they've got their hands full. Uh, they're a very slight favorite. I don't really understand that. The game is more about a pick I think, from a gambling perspective or handicapping. But it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, their secondary is going to be tested. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. But uh, the last comment uh, regarding Jim Mercer, that was a really, really stupid thing for a guy to say. Um, that's the best way to paraphrase it. I do believe those at ESPN who claim to be journalists who really aren't, they're reporters or they're television personalities, and there's a big difference. Gina can tell you that. Uh, I think they made some inappropriate comments as well. And you can say, hey, they were really responding to him. Fair enough. Uh, Jim Rusey is documented to have had some problems um, with addiction. He's addressed those. Uh, he's developed a system to try to help other people as well. He is a benevolent man, but he also is a troubled man. And he made a, a huge mistake from a public relations standpoint, from a personal standpoint, saying something as stupid as, hey, I'm, uh, I'm looked at differently or they're prejudiced against me because I'm a white billionaire. I'm jealous of the fact he's a billionaire, but I would never uh, hold that against him in terms of being, you know, uh, prejudiced against him. So to your point, a very, very ugly and very unfortunate statement. If I'm him, I'd probably go down in a rabbit hole for 30 days and don't say anything. But that's not his style. So it's probably not over. But then again, I sure hope that it is. Do you think it is a systemic problem? Because recently there's been some uh, about the whole diversity thing in the NFL. There's a some things said that the, the owner of the Buffalo Bills made some comments, and we know Jerry Jones has a history of, well, yeah. how should I say it? I mean, there's no question there's 
there's been inappropriate behavior in the ownership ranks of the NFL as far as diversity is concerned, but that's not limited to the NFL or professional sports. Our society sure. as a whole is, is, is like that. I, I really can't comment much beyond that other than saying it's disappointing when people make statements uh, about others as it pertains to a race, creed, and ethnic background, however you want to term it, religious background. Um, I hope to have lived long enough to where I would have seen a society that accepted everybody for who they are, regardless of who they may be in terms of their belief system and their race and what have you. But uh, it's a disappointing circumstance with her saying that comment. Again, if I was him, I'd go in a rabbit hole. I wouldn't talk for 30 days, but that is not his style. No, he'll be talking again. No, that's not his <laughs> He'll be talking style, again. But he's entitled to his opinion, as unfortunate yeah. as that may be. Well, I think that, and thank, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Uh, but I, that, I think that's pretty much what I had been saying. Jeff had asked that question, and it's a good one. But I, I think overall, it just wasn't a good comment to make, whether you feel that way or not, whether it may be, you know, because, hey, let's face it, some folks, when they see people have money, they say, hey, let's get all we can get, or let's do this, or let's do that, because they're this and that. I mean, you know, it just happens. But I would well, never, I would never voice that. I would never voice that. I, I, I will add to that. I don't believe the Carmel police knew who in the heck they were pulling over that night until he got out of the car. Yeah. And I also believe that in his case, just coming off of uh, hip surgery, that could be a reason why he couldn't pass the field sobriety. But he did have slurred speech. He did have uh, prescription drugs that were not written to him in his possession. And uh, thank goodness he had a, a wonderful attorney representing him the best uh, criminal defense attorney in the, in the state of Indiana and beyond, and Jim Boyles. Yeah, Jim Boyles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, the bottom line is it was an unfortunate incident, and it probably had been somewhat laid to rest before answering that question to Andrea Kramer in that fashion. So hopefully he'll learn something from it. Hopefully we'll all learn a little bit from it, uh, as obscure and as ridiculous as that statement was. Maybe we can look at that and understand that we've got a long way to go in terms of how we treat each other and how we view each other. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So um, your article, uh, you know, kind of circling back, you you more or less alluded to uh, IU's, uh, Indiana University's um, use of their funding uh, when it comes to their football program. Uh, Another good article. Yeah, very good. Very insightful. Um, Well, I I appreciate that. I, I I, I do believe it's been borderline mouth financial malfeasance down there in terms of how they've handled these buyouts. But but that's all superseded, like, from why were those contracts drafted that way? What compelled them to pay two coaches without any type of real track record in Division I, respectively, football and basketball, those types of funds? Uh, I I just don't I never understood it then, but – you know, they felt they had to make a move with Tom Allen. They owed him $20 million. He agreed to two payments of $7.75 million. So they got some of that money back. I'm not sure why he left that money on the table. I really have no idea. He was entitled to it. Maybe he felt that was something he could give back to the university for the opportunity. I have no idea. I was flabbergasted, though, when he didn't take the whole 20 yeah. Archie Miller got $10 million to waltz away. Those were bad hires. And they were also bad contracts. And there's two separate things there. You know, if a coach doesn't work out and he doesn't do a good job, he say, oh, that was a bad hire. But there's a difference in a bad hire being trumped by a bad contract. And that's where they've had difficulty. Um, you know, I hope that that's the last of that. But something tells me 
uh, with the expectations, especially in the basketball program. You know, Mike Woodson, I think, is a competent coach, and he's got a really good track record as a collegiate as well as a professional player as an, and a professional coach as well. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this. If there's not marked improvement in this team this year and as they go into next year, some improvement as well, you're going to hear the whispers, well, he's not the right guy. We've got to get rid of this guy. Who can we get in here? Because Bloomington, Indiana, while it may be seen mm. with the surroundings, you know, mm-hmm. geographically speaking, mm-hmm. the expectations there for that basketball program have been way out of whack for a long, long time. Mm. And uh, at some point, you know, you just have to wonder, will this program ever return to prominence? I'm going to say probably not in my lifetime. Well, I think the basketball program has the same problem the football program does, and that's recruiting. There's no recruiting strength uh, in either of those programs. None. Uh, well, we just aren't. We're, I, we're not getting. You know, we're not getting the studs or the superstars for the men. Is, now, for uh, the men, for the men. Now, for the yeah. women, uh, you know, women's sports. But um, yeah, for the men, it's just not happening. Well, I would think though you have to look a little bit deeper than we're not getting them as to why we're not getting them. There's well, so be- there's so many better options for young men in basketball than Indiana University. There was a time when that was a a desirable destination. destination. Yeah, Yeah, it's not any longer. It's not any longer, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You got to work hard. You got to work that transfer portal, and you got to recruit, and you got to hope to get lucky on a guy that you recruit that stays at least two or three, if not four years, and plays well every year. True, true. So um, your Indianapolis Colts are uh, engaged. Are being talked about with the p yeah. word with the p word at, at six and five uh yeah. six and five i i i think playoff talk is just, playoff chatter is just a little premature right now i, I would just, agree with you but i also would look at the balance of the league and who else is surrounding them with similar records mm. and right now as we speak uh they've got a shot at a wild card i didn't think that would happen and if you'd asked me this question a month ago, or if you'd have told me this a month ago, I'd have said, you're crazy. You need to see a psychiatrist. However, <laughs> they, have, they have done some things that I didn't think they would do. Yeah. Right now at 6-5, and five, look, you win Sunday, you're 7-5. and five. Okay, now you can say, well, that's only one more victory. That's true. But if you look at their schedule, what's remaining, there's not a real daunting opponent upon there. And that's what favors them a little bit. Can they win 10 football games? If they do, they're going to definitely be in the playoffs. You might get in with nine victories, as pathetic as the AFC has been beyond the Super Bowl contendering team. So it's hard to say, but I'm surprised by it, to be quite frank. I think you have to give the head coach uh, a lot of credit uh, concerning the things that have happened this year. Let's look at it quickly. The Jonathan Taylor debacle in training camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, then, by the way, you, uh, you also lose Darius Leonard. Uh, he never came back from injury. That's what that was more about than than anything. Uh, and then you've had issues with other injuries. Uh, you know, uh, you have a suspension with one of your defensive players. So there's been a lot of happenings here. But for them to be six and five and in the hunt, that's a testament to good coaching. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, if they make the playoffs, I don't know how Shane Steiger wouldn't be the coach of the year. I just don't. I do. <laughs> I don't know if he's a coach of the year. With that roster, 
Is that right? Oh, no, no, he'll he'll get he'll get votes for that. Absolutely, Just he may get, but I I don't know. There there's I I I don't know. I the, well, the you Colts said it. You don't know. Okay, so there mm-hmm. we have it. I don't know either for sure. But I will say this: if they make the playoffs, he will probably be at least I will say rank at least third in the coach of the year award. <sighs> you think he'll be in that conversation? I absolutely. With that roster, how could he not be? Mm, okay. He has to be. Okay. Okay, Danny. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I was wrong once. I just can't remember when yeah. it was, Tina. <laughs> okay. All righty then. I'm okay. Sure you've got it on tape somewhere. Yeah, we, we probably have it on tape somewhere. Yeah. So um, your, your Pacers then? Um, well, I'm happy that a lot of people seem to be excited about this in season tournament. I don't understand it at all. I think it has. Yeah, what is, I don't get that thing. I mean, it has zero value. But let's look at it this way anything where they can distinguish themselves is a good thing. They yeah. haven't proved. They haven't improved defensively. They've improved a little bit on the rebounding aspect. They've had several games where they've kept their opponents down in terms of the number of offensive rebounds that they've been able to grab against them. Uh, Halliburton has played well against both good and bad teams. He's the shining moment for them. Well, I have a better term, but uh, they're not really much better than they were last year at this juncture. Uh, If you think about it, it's about who you play. They got beat by 50 at Boston. The Milwaukee Bucks self-destructed coming down the stretch here in Indianapolis, or they, they should have beat the Pacers that night, but they didn't. But then again, a very close ball game. And again, my, I really felt that Milwaukee shot themselves in the foot. They've lost at home to the likes of Charlotte and the likes of Portland. So it's been a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. They're going to pound their chest about this tournament because the teams they played so far, they've beaten them. Uh, now when you get into this little playoff that they've got going on with this tournament, you're going to see the better teams. I think that's where it's going to come to an end. But I will say this. They've played hard. They have played hard. The games that I've watched, I haven't seen anybody dogging it. And I said at the first of the year, if they play hard and can be relatively competitive at home, uh, the fans in this community will support the organization in that regard. So if it's family-friendly and they're playing hard and they're winning – some, they're going to have pretty fair turnout at home. But uh, the rubber meets the road in the NBA on the road, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're going to find out about here as I get into more of these road contests. Absolutely. Anything else before, uh, before we all have to roll out of here? Well, there's something I, w- I would like to say to you, which is going to seem extremely odd, very untraditional and very unconventional for a sports conversation. Mm-hmm. This- Past Monday, I had to let go of my beloved 14-year-old dog. And it made me me think about all the great times that he and I had had together and how fortunate I was to have had him in my life. It was gut-wrenching. It was excruciating. But it was time based on his physical condition. I'm going to say to all of your listeners, there's plenty of shelter dogs out there. If you're thinking about getting a pet, adopt. Don't go to a breeder. Trey came from uh, the Johnson County Humane Society. They found him wandering around out on a country road somewhere. I can't Mm. remember where it was. And I adopted him. And I have to say that even though I've got two other dogs here in the house as I speak, it's a lot different here these last few days. I Mm. miss my buddy. So if nothing else, think about a sheltered dog or a cat if you you look. No cats. 
No well, I'm sorry. People, people love dogs. Cats are wonder- I love cats. I'm just allergic to them. I love oh, cats. Uh, cats. I'm just no. allergic to them. But no cats. Think about a shelter animal as opposed to a breeder or a pet store. Yeah. Do yeah, that. Do I would that agree. Do I would agree. And do that for Trey, if you would. Indeed. Thank you, Dan. And very good advice. And uh, I remember years ago when we were buying the kids uh, their first dog, we went straight to the Humane Society uh, to, to get set. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I can, so I'll it, just uh, say this. If anybody's interested in learning more about the exploits mm-hmm. of a really uh, – meatball of a dog mm-hmm. you can look on my facebook page and i've got some pictures and some stories on there that i just felt were appropriate to share trey had a facebook following i was actually amazed by the number of people who reached out mm-hmm. and said that they were going to miss watching him or his videos or his pictures or whatever the little storylines but uh, I, I will say this i've had a lot of dogs in my life you know i'm 60 mm-hmm. i'll be 65 in may and i've never had a meathead like this one, and I'm certainly going to miss him. Well, my deepest condolences to you. Thank you. And the loss of Trey, seriously, uh, because uh, they become members of our family. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for that reminder, Danny, uh, about supporting our local humane societies. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk with you again, huh? I said absolutely, and I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about Trey with you. Thanks for the Thanks for giving me a little leeway there. Oh, no problem. Rest well, Trey. Indeed. Thank you, Danny. Uh, And that's all the time. We will talk to you again next time uh, because that's all the time we have for right now uh, for Community Connection. We're always uh, praise AM 1310 and 95.1 FM. Indy's inspiration. Don't forget about our website, praiseindy.com. Willie Moore Jr. on the radio is up next. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow. Open lines and weekend review. As always, be safe and be well. I'm Tina Cosby. And this is Community Connection.